one mind fucking bender of an episode. Werewolf's Horror Podcast, the podcast that discusses all things horror. I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. And I'm in a good mood. <laughs> Alan is in a good mood. Because <laughs> I got a beer in my hand. And you're talking to me and David. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very talking chipper. about horror movies. You know, it's funny because, uh, you know, it's true. I hate talking to you guys, but, yeah. you know, we, we have to meet up and talk about horror movies and, you know. I it's like a, a it's like a job. I got such yeah. a busy schedule, so yeah. I gotta be like, oh, it's not even fun. I don't enjoy it. It's more like work. I gotta yeah. talk to these guys again. No, yeah. I kid, I kid. Um, but we are recording uh, at a different time than normal. We're recording at night. Yeah, it's yeah. It is Friday the thirteenth special edition episode. <laughs> special edition episode. <laughs> it won't be really a special edition. It's just a special edition mm-hmm. recording. Save yeah. it. <laughs> Nocturnal emission. Cherish it. Emissions. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, it's kind of nice to see you guys. Uh, We're better looking in the dark. <laughs> no, we really are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> are, are, you, are you guys normally night people? Like, are you nocturnal? Would you consider yourself on nocturnal? the weekends? Yes, on the weekends. Okay, weekdays. If it's yeah. nine o'clock on the I'm, weekdays, I'm I, I would even consider myself. I stay up late and I lose sleep, and I gotta be up at like three a.m., four a.m. But you know, I'm, I'm I've always been nocturnal. What about yeah. you, Dave? I don't require a whole lot of sleep to be honest. So yeah. like, I go to bed late, and I'm usually up by like five thirty. I like to sleep. Yeah. I just don't get it. I we- like <laughs> weekends. Yeah, sleeping in is like eight. I love maybe. sleeping. I do too. But I also like getting up and getting shit done. Dude, right. How much do you love it when you wake up in the middle of the night and you look at the clock and it's, it's like, like 11? It's, it, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's still like, it's like 12, 15 and you're like, you get all snug and you're ready to go. I, mm, yeah. I, I couldn't sleep in even if I wanted to, even on the weekends. Yeah. It definitely is hard. I and, do not sleep in. And uh, yeah, it, I used to. Yeah. Sleeping in now is like seven o'clock and then I wake up. Um, weekends is my time where I can go to Starbucks and get a coffee and kind of just relax. And Sleeping <laughs> in for me, I'm up somewhere in the five o'clock hour. Really? Yeah. Wow. yeah. Well, you get up earlier yeah. than that during yeah. the week. So yeah. if you correlate that, because I get up at in the five o'clock hour normally yeah. to, to get ready to go to work and um, leave the house by six. Yeah. So if I wake up at seven on the weekends, it's mm-hmm. nice. But mm-hmm. that being said, I like staying up late. On the weekends, right. Friday nights, Saturday yeah. nights. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm good. Yeah, and uh, and especially if I got something to do, something fun to do, which I like doing. This it's not a chore. To I do love this. Doing unlike this. With, what Alan. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> exactly. I, I, the office. I kid. I kid. I kid. No, this is this is a highlight. It's always been a highlight. Yeah, and you know, part of the reason why this is a highlight for me um, 
And I've said this before in some of the other episodes, but part of the reason why this is a highlight for me is because we get to watch movies that we normally, or at least that I would normally not have watched. Right. Despite being a horror fan. Mm-hmm. Um, There's so much out there. There, there So much. And There's like we so could do this podcast. Yeah. Our kids could do this podcast <laughs> and their kids could do this podcast and we still wouldn't cover yeah. uh, even a tenth of what is out there as far as horror movies goes. From, from the spectrum, you know, from the double aughts to the five Pamela Voorhees heads, you know, <laughs> yeah. like um, from uh, thanks killing all the way to <laughs> alien uh-huh. <laughs> it's, uh, and everything in between and everything in between. So um, that's, what's fun. And this week was no exception to that. And Alan, you generally do a good job of introducing um, movies that I, I normally wouldn't even be attracted to, um, to the, the podcast, um, not that David, not that you don't, but usually the movies you pick, I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen that. I've wanted to see that before. What I, Alan picks movies yeah. and I'm like, I've heard of that. I yeah. don't know if I ever would have watched it. Well, what I appreciate about you guys and about the show in general is that, you know, we, we all love horror movies, but at the same time, we, we also have our kind of personal interests that come into play. Like. You got the yeah. genre of horror, but it's so broad. There's so much that can apply. You got sci-fi, you got um, you got slashers, you, you got slashers, yeah. thrillers, you got, even you got psychological comedies, horror. Yeah, you got psychological. You got monsters. You got, you got religious themes. You got movies about ghosts. You got movies about monsters. You got movies about everything. Yep, a killer turkey. Yeah, you got you got Cronenberg kind of stuff with body modification. You got everything. Everything is under the sun. And what I love about this show is that we each bring something to the to the table and you know we kind of you know we haven't seen everything but there's all there's always one of us who's like hey I want us to watch these movies yeah and that's what's great about this show and uh actually Brett I had never seen these movies oh and and this this is strange because you know normally I I do a lot of thinking and planning like you know what movies am I going to pick you know and usually it's like one that I haven't seen and one that I I have seen mm-hmm. and uh but with this episode this was like spur of the moment um altered states I had never seen it before and you know but that poster is so recognizable oh yeah yeah yes. yeah I've seen you the guys, poster and I've heard about this movie yeah. for 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 years yeah. and and I feel like not a lot of people talk about this movie there's not you know William Hurt is a fantastic actor but other than him then well, this, and this was his first movie right this was his first movie Ken Russell the director um he's known for Tommy the mm-hmm. you know the based on the who yeah yep. Um, he's known for that movie. He's a British director, you know. But, but other than that, and Drew Barrymore's yeah. debut, yeah. she's got film, like one line, doesn't she? she like, yeah, she Daddy, does, Daddy. Does, she's a little a kid. She's I a, think she's got like one line. You know, she's very. I mean, young. This is pre ET. This is yeah. pre ET. So this movie, I don't think gets a lot of attention, but I think it should, and maybe and we'll probably get into that. Yeah, no, let's talk about it. Uh, well, we'll talk about it right now. Altered States, 1980. 1980. Uh, directed by Ken Russell, as Alan said. Written by Sidney Aaron, based on the book by Patty Chayefsky. Now, it says written by Sidney Aaron. That's a pseudonym. Yeah, same person. <laughs> uh, Patty Chayefsky actually did write the screenplay. We will talk about that. Yeah, like kind of in the review process. Cause I have some notes on that, but, uh, it does star William Hurt in his film debut. Uh, Drew Barrymore's in it, but it also has, uh, Blair Brown as Emily. Uh, William Hurt plays Dr. Eddie Jessup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blair Brown plays Emily Jessup, his uh-huh. wife, the wife, 
Bob Balaban, who is very recognizable. Is it yeah, Balaban? From Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, He's the NBC executive. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's very recognizable mm-hmm. uh, yeah. character. Loves actor. Elaine. Charles Hayde as Mason Charles Parrish. Charles Hayde as Mason Parrish. And, and there's uh, a blink if you miss it, uh, John Larroquette. John Larroquette, yes, yeah. as an X-ray tech. Probably no, one of his early roles, too, I think perhaps. It, I, well, Texas Chainsaw. Well, Texas Vo- Chainsaw was just voiceover. voiceover. Yeah. But yes, definitely an early role for him. Now, that's that. there's more people in this movie. I'm mm-hmm. not going to go through everybody, but those, no, no. those were the characters that's, that I wanted to highlight. Sure. Not just, to go into my review or anything, but specifically those characters just because of their acting. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring those guys because they are the main four characters. Right. It's not a large ensemble cast. It's very focused on a few uh, number of people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the story is uh, takes place, well, it starts in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. It starts in uh, 67. Is it 67? Yeah, at the beginning. Uh, okay. Yeah. And William Hurt is a, a scientist, doctor, uh, sort of experimenting type guy. Like he does experiments in a, in a for a college research type bullshit. And him and his friend, uh, Arthur are studying the effects of dep- uh, sl- uh, sensory, sensory, dep- sensory deprivation. deprivation. Yeah. 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 Sensory deprivation tanks, yeah. uh, which we've talked about on this podcast before. You said you did it, right? I, I did one, one time. Yeah. Now the one that they used in this movie, the original in the first scene of the movie is not anything that would ever be used today. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, back, yeah. Back in the late sixties and early seventies, you got to imagine they, it's kind of just like a makeshift thing. It was, it was a tube. Yeah. It was standing up vertical. He was floating. It almost he looked had, like a boiler. Yeah. Like a, and right. he had a, a almost like a helmet diver on. helmet. Yeah. Or a Obviously space, it, like it a had a astronaut. previous, yeah, it had a previous use to it and they modified it. And you wouldn't it. use that for sensory deprivation because the idea of sensory deprivation is that you have no outside stimuli. Yeah. So in, in the tanks that they have now that anybody can go to like at a float lab or, um, you know, these float tanks is, yeah. uh, you know, so much salt in the water right. that you're just buoyant. Um, no matter what you weigh, um, no matter your body fat composition, you're just going to float yeah. and um, you're going to lay down. The water's going to be to your body temperature. Mm-hmm. You're just deprived of everything. Right. You can't feel anything. Yeah. With a helmet on your head, you're obviously feeling something. With goggles on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're obviously feeling something. So Yeah. So, so William Hurt's character is Edward Jessup. Mm-hmm. And like we established, he's he's basically he believes that um, other states of consciousness are as real as our waking states. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of his um, obsession, very much so an obsession, and it goes back to his childhood. And he even explains to Emily when they mm-hmm. first start dating is that well, actually, right after they fuck for the first time, <laughs> um, they that he as a kid had visions of like Jesus yeah. and God mm-hmm. and, and things yeah. of that nature, and so he's always chasing that. You know, it's it's very much so an obsession, right? And that comes into play throughout the movie. Well, and he also yeah. thinks that with these others, like consciousness that is real, like it could also uh, be a cure to schizophrenia. Was yeah, that, wasn't that kind of part? Yeah, of his he's idea studying too? schizophrenia. Yeah. yeah, he's he's a psychopathologist who's studying schizophrenia, and he has this belief that uh, we're also talking about a time period, yeah. at least of the movie is set in mm-hmm. um, the late '60s, early '70s, where we have, and that's it, it'll come up in the next movie we do too, where it's those Timothy Leary, you know, almost cult like followings mm-hmm. that these people have with yeah. like drug induced um, states of mind and what that can do to you the lsd being experimented on with people um or being used by individuals to 
um, almost elevate them to a different conscious plane. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of where this guy is going. Um, you know, I, I almost feel like we're, we're describing more than what is described in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Or what is given to us in the movie, but that's basically what he's chasing after. Yeah. And uh, he ultimately does, though, um, settle down with Emily and we flash forward about seven years. Yeah. <clears throat> they fall in love and, but he, he established more with him. Yeah. Her more yeah. with him. He establishes like, you know, I'm kind of crazy, you know, and she, you know, she doesn't really mind because you know, she's, she's kind of attracted to it. She's attracted to Yeah. She's attracted to the craziness and you know, she's attracted to him and just his, um, I don't even want to say insanity just yet, but just his passion. He, he's so yeah. out there. Yeah, 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 very passionate. Yeah. He's passionate. Everything probably makes a better boyfriend than he does a husband <laughs> or a father. Yeah. Um, it seems like he's always worried about work. Um, and the next time we see him, it like I said, is seven years later. Mm-hmm. He has two children with Emily, and Arthur's coming back to like in his life to visit. You know, they had been separated for a while, and Arthur has his own wife who's pregnant. And they are visiting the Jessops, and they find out that the Jessops are actually yeah. going to separate. Gonna get divorced. Yeah, yeah. yeah, surprisingly. Yeah, because um, everything is presented like everything's hunky dory. But meanwhile, Emily yeah. is also a scientist. She's more of a, a anthropologist. Yeah, she's a yeah. biological anthropologist, and she's going to go to Africa. She's going to take the kids with her. Yeah, and he's going to go down to Mexico. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and he does, and he goes down to Mexico. Real quick, when yeah. they go to Mexico, when they cut to that scene of them hiking, I had a pretty good laugh uh, because before we see what they're doing, you just hear them hiking. Uh-huh. So it's like, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> and it sounded like I was like, "Oh, he's having sex or something." And then, uh, and then it's like, "No, they're hiking." But it made me think of. Um, did you ever listen to that Adam Sandler uh, sex or weightlifting sketch? Oh. No, I haven't. Or he's like, we went around and we recorded people having sex and we recorded people weightlifting (laughs) and we're going to play the tapes Uh and you have to guess what's happening. Obviously, it's a sketch. So the ones that clearly sound like sex are weightlifting. We're fucking. We are definitely having sex. (laughs) They were lifting weights, if you can believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they're in Mexico and he, or, well, no, they're not in Mexico. They're in South America, I should say, because I don't it think. It was Mexico. No, they're, 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 they're in Mexico. Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he meets up with some. Uh, uh, Indi- Pro- I think probably very South Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Some native uh, tribes. Yeah. There's a bunch of big boulders that look like giant, the fucked up giant part dicks. Of <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, uh, they're, they're harvesting shrooms. Yeah. Basically uh, yeah. to get themselves high. And they basically. They perform a ceremony. He wants to be a part of it. And he yeah. has a guide with him. He has a friend with him. And they even talk about like DMT in here uh, in this movie uh, very little. And you know, it's funny. I don't know if you guys ever listened to Joe Rogan's podcast, but Joe Rogan d- does sensory deprivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tanks. He does. Yeah. And he's also, I don't think he's ever mixed the two, but he's also done DMT. Mm-hmm. I think he said he'll never do that because <laughs> don't do it he'll at the same be time. fucked up. But he's, he's definitely smoked weed and yeah. gotten into the deprivation tank. And right. he says it's, it's awesome. But <laughs> um, with DMT or with mushrooms, psych- any psychedelics that yeah. you do, you're tripping. Yeah. And yeah. There's a lot of theories regarding that, what that is. You I know, think, is it a dream state? Is it opening up that third eye? You know, we talked about that I movie. Think it, uh, yeah. To, uh, 
with the with the pineal gland. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. From, the, beyond. from beyond, from beyond, and the pineal gland releases DMT. Yeah, based on naturally in the body. You know, to branch off a little bit, we'll get back to the movie, but. I think it is an opening of a third eye. I've experienced some things and I won't say, you know, what I've, you know, what I've part partaken in, but, um, uh, it, it is more of a opening of a third eye than it is a dream state. Um, because you, you, you experience realizations that uh, it's hard to explain. You, you experience realizations that you, you would never really even think of in a, um in your normal state yeah yeah and it it can be pretty intense and like you know no pun intended but really eye-opening yeah yeah well in uh, in south america ayahuasca is a is is something that the natives do and it's a a mixture of different plants Mm -hmm. and uh it has the same effects as like dmt Mm. and there's a really good um youtube channel it's called vsauce I don't know if he still does the Vsauce show, but the guy's name is Michael and he had a show or a channel called Vsauce and he would talk mm-hmm. about various different things. Well, one of them, he went down to, and I don't know if it was, it, it might've been one of his subsidiary mm-hmm. um, uh, channels, but uh, you can Google it and find it. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy from Vsauce went down to South America and filmed himself mm-hmm. taking ayahuasca. Oh, okay. And uh, the effects it had on him. And he was with a shaman who gave it to him. And you can pay for this. Like you can, yeah. you can have a vacation to Peru, <laughs> yeah. which would be really fucking awesome. Yeah, um, to uh, pay for this, and you sit down with a shaman, and they actually have a whole like separate tent for you, and yeah. you go out there and you do a lot of meditation. Right. Yeah. You take this ayahuasca, and then you trip balls. You trip yeah. balls. <laughs> do Do you guys meditate? Um, I have. You have. I don't. I would. I, I'm interested in it more than in in theory more than I am in practice. Yeah, I used to. I did martial arts for like 13 years yeah. or so. So yeah, I used to do it pretty regularly. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, but it, yeah, not nearly as often as I used to. You know, all it takes is just you know finding just uh, a state of mind. It doesn't really need have to be a quiet place, but you know, I I try to meditate as much as I can, and it does help, and it is beneficial. Even oh, yeah, just definitely. even just deep breathing, right? Um, yeah, will help, and so. It does interest me. Ayahuasca, DMT, that kind yeah. of shit does interest me, and I would be, I would be open to to that possibility yeah. of 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 trying that, you know, under the right circumstances. But this movie tackles that subject. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. He goes down and he basically uh, drinks ayahuasca. Yeah, they, with these they, natives, they Did put he, together this concoction. They they part of the ingredient is his blood, his own yeah, blood. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of a weird thing. He didn't expect that. Yeah. Uh, they harvested all these mushrooms. They made like a mushroom stew out of it, and then yeah. they cut his hand open. They and- used something <laughs> called the quote first flower. They use a number of ingredients. Um, and you know, interesting thing about yeah. ayahuasca, just real quick, mm-hmm. it is a mixture of of different plants, yeah. and it's the chemical reaction from both of them coming together that mm-hmm. creates the drugs. Oh, okay. The interesting thing is, is that those plants are native to the opposite sides of South America. That's pretty yeah. cool. So how on earth did someone hundreds, if not thousands of years ago, take a plant from one side of South America, go to the other side of South America, mix the two together and trip balls. Never underestimate mankind's uh, desire to get high (laughs) (laughs) and find ways. Or just experiment. Or 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 basically just experiment because, you know... uh, Beer. 
Like, beer. Someone thought that up. Yeah. yeah. And let it ferment. And then yeah. they're just I mean, like, can, I mean, there's a science behind it. Yeah. Oh, we yeah, understand yeah. the science now, but there had to have been a first person. Exactly. It's, it's so insane to think about that, you know, hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of years ago, what man had available to them, they took advantage of it. And the, the world was a lot more boring then too. So you had to get high. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Nothing else to do. Absolutely. The world was probably so much better. Was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's what's your definition of boring? Well, I guess, could right? you imagine? <laughs> well, think about it. Think the only thing it. that I hate is that they didn't have air conditioning. Well, well, yeah, well yeah. think about this. Think about how clearly you could see the stars at night. Oh, oh yeah. And from anywhere, there were no city lights. Yep. You know there were. And that's no, why, and that's why, that's what ended up being their entertainment, right? There that's were why no, they created stories yeah, about these yeah, yeah. stars. There were no grids, and you could see so many stars, and to the point where you could see images in the stars. Yeah. yeah. Also, no Trump. Okay, so <laughs> moving on, uh, he goes down and gets high. <laughs> and he has this weird fucking trip. Yeah, yeah he, goes, he sees like a snake and like a mushroom. Well, cloud. yeah, let's talk about this. Shit. Let's talk about this. So this was a really cool scene. So it started off with you like, thought you thought this was cool. I thought this was cool because okay, so I mean there were fireworks and stuff like there. You know, I I thought yeah whatever. But where his his wife there was an image of Emily that showed up, and and she was like the form of like a lizard mm-hmm. and then he was laying there and then they turned you know they turned to dust it was strange it was like a dust it storm. was like a dust storm that i thought that part was awesome that was really cool i love the how they did that it was like wow like that was a really cool scene and it lasted for a while but it was so hypnotizing i don't know yeah it, it was just it was no, a it really was, cool was scene trippy. to watch it was a real trip it was almost uh and the way they, inducing the, way, the like, way they pulled it off was was just insane. But that was a this had quicker cuts than a Michael Bay movie. Yeah. In, that, in that scene, um, he ultimately kills the lizard uh, in real life, right? Right, because he's like tripping and he doesn't know what he's doing. I and think then, he consumes part of it too. The, like, the natives kick him out because he killed some yeah, lizard. Dude, that was our buddy. Yeah, <laughs> that was our mascot. That was my pet. <laughs> like but, we're the leaping lizards now. What are we gonna, what are we gonna call ourselves? <laughs> Oh, but, but the important thing about about this part of the movie is that he takes a sample back to the U.S. because he wants to experiment yeah. with it. Yeah. He wants to experiment with and it. He wants and to he find wants to get out what's in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, he I'm wants to get tap, the tank with it. Yeah. yeah, he wants to tap into his altered states of consciousness. Altered states. Yeah, oh, we altered got a title. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes back. He meets up with Arthur. He meets up with Mason, um, who's a new character, uh, as well as as well as Arthur, and they're going through. They're discussing what they're doing with this concoction, yeah. and Mason's kind of like, "You guys are fucking weird." Yeah, Mason. Mason is kind of the skeptic. He's like, "This is fucked up. Like, we don't know what's in this stuff, and you can't be injecting yourself yeah. with it." Because I think he's inject- he's and, like mainlining, and you it, know, right? and <laughs> Mason, Mason isn't a bad dude. He's kind of what he does in this movie is he kind of he he's he, the smartest one. Well, he's he's the guy who's like the skeptic. He's like, okay, like this is fucked up. He's kind of the alternate viewpoint. Yes. Um, and I love this character, by the and way. And Arthur is, to a certain extent, uh, trying to tamp he, down Eddie's yeah, yeah, excitement. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he still, too, goes along He's with pretty it. curious. He's, he's kind of neutral. Like, you know, he's curious. He's, you know, he's Arthur's... He's Edward's old friend. They've been colleagues for a long time. And When he trusts him, like, he he trusts him. like you're they, not making this up. Right. They trust each other. Um, and Mason, uh, who's also another colleague, he's like, this is fucked up, but the three work together. 
they use a uh, a different. They go um, to a different deprivation. There's tank, a different deprivation, which tank. is more like a traditional one nowadays. It's right. uh, horizontal. Yeah. Um, it yeah. shuts off the light. They put the salt in there in the solution, yeah. so it, he has buoyancy and, I, and he floats. And I think I think it's Mason. I'm not sure at this point in the movie, but it's established that um, increased dosages of this concentration that came from Mexico can be toxic. So, with that said, Jessup wants to use a combination of this dosage plus the sensory deprivation mm-hmm. tank, a combination of the two. To um, lift him to a different state. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Crazy high. Yeah. And so he, he goes in there and they have him mic'd up and they're, they can talk to him as well to make sure he's doing okay. Right. And they have him mic'd up and basically he starts telling them how he's back in like the savannah. Yeah, he's a primitive creature. <laughs> right. Well, he starts out observing them yeah. and then he turns into one. Yeah. Uh, and he comes out and he's... He he's like, and he's like, doesn't he tell him I'm eating a goat? And he comes out and he's got blood all yeah, over Yeah, coming out of his mouth. mouth. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he what? bit his tongue. He bit his tongue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they get him out of there and, and it's... I think he mentions that he he was eating a goat, well, and when he gets out, like he can't even speak. Like he's he like can't even he's speak. like freaking out, right. and he's like kind of mimes like give me a pen and paper, and he writes down uh, I want a blood test. Yeah, and then they X-ray him too, and this is where John Larquette comes in. Um, the X-ray tech, they're looking at uh, the X-rays, and they're like, "This is from a gorilla's mouth." Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And it's like, what? Yeah. So it, it's like he... Uh, changed physically. He's he changed physically. <laughs> Somebody says, you're a real sick dude, you son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. I, I love <laughs> I love what Mason says. He says, stop talking shit. You're saying, you're, you're saying dumb, like, you're saying you're dumb shit. Like, what does he say? He's like, stop talking shit. You're saying your dumb hallucination is externalized. You're a fucking flake, Jessup. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. Like, he, yeah. like, I love what he says in the movie. Tell me how you really feel. This, yeah. this actor, Charles Hayde, yeah. um, he does such a good job, especially his scenes with Bob uh, Balaban. Uh, they do such a good job, like, talking over each other mm. and arguing. There's a great scene with with these guys. But it seems very natural. Yes. And it's so much like like we're both like it's real. Yeah. Yeah. And they do such a good job. And 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 Charles Hayde does such a good job of being like the antithesis to uh William Hurt's character. Yeah. That um I really wanted to highlight his acting in this. William Hurt obviously does well. Um even even though this is his first film role. Yeah. Um he does really well. But um Charles Hayde, I thought stole the scenes in every scene that he was in he was great he was you know he for the viewer he provided that um voice of reason well he the voice of reason but he he provided that character of you know skepticism yeah Mm -hmm. you know he 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 gave a balance well, to he's the not, film. Yeah, because he's not even believing what he's hearing. Like right. the one uh, x-ray guy where he's like, this guy's a fucking gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, people were like, you know, what the fuck? So it, like, great. It, Just my teeth. It gave the film <laughs> oh that girl. kind of... Uh, <laughs> I got that gorilla dog. It, it gave it a kind of like validity or something. Yeah. You know, like... Mm-hmm. So, but I, I love when he says, uh, you're a very sick dude, you dumb <laughs> son, son of a bitch. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that you're was a very sick dude. <laughs> so... Ultimately, uh, to kind of speed things up a little bit, ultimately, William Hurt goes into the chamber by himself. By himself, right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he obviously shoots up, goes into the chamber, and then emerges as... Uh, a primate. Like, literally, a, a cave, primitive a, man. A, a, primitive, a Yeah, a primitive man. He experiences biological 
de-evolution. Yeah, and he goes running around town. Yeah, he's and, got well, like monkey feet. He goes full uh, well, Brundle com- fly doing gymnastics. Well, he comes shit. out and and there's this with some security guards. Yeah, yeah, there's it's this institute oh, with, yeah, with yeah. security, and they literally think it's like a chimp. Like they think it's yeah, an it's ape a, or something. And he beats the shit out of those guys. Like fucking Shockma's out again. <laughs> yeah, fucking <laughs> Shockma, and uh, he uh, he gets uh, out. Out in the real world, he gets he chased by the, some dogs. He yeah. throws like a tin can at them. He goes mm-hmm. to the zoo. This zoo has the most gazelles I've ever seen at a fucking <laughs> zoo. By the way, <laughs> it's a crazy scene. Like this whole scene. Like, yeah, he goes this to the, part of the film, the fucking Bronx and Zoo. He, he eats a sheep. Yeah, yeah, and he like he like hits a elephant with a rock <laughs> elephant's which rock. i felt really bad that elephant yeah. just wanted to he's like i'll never forget that you asshole <laughs> yeah <laughs> well maybe he will because he hit him in the head yeah maybe he's like oh what what just happened <laughs> like phil do you remember he was like forgetful I elephant it's like oh shit <laughs> um but uh he steals some meat from a lion or a tiger mm-hmm. and uh yeah he ultimately eats a sheep yeah kills a gazelle or something like yeah, whatever sheep, the fuck I think. it was. Was it a sheep? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever then, it was. Yeah. yeah, and then he wakes up naked, right? And the cops arrest him. Yeah. yeah. But, but he's back to his normal self. He's back to his yeah. normal self. Emily comes, bails him out but of they jail. But they don't know that he's the one that killed that yeah. gazelle, you know. No, but they arrest him for being yeah. naked. Being and, naked yeah. in a zoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Central Park. Yeah. yeah. You had sexual relations with uh, <laughs> like sheep. one of these things. They're like, hey, elephant, what do you think? And he's like, I, I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember anything. They took all the animals into question. <laughs> um. But Emily comes and gets him, and then he's like, "Oh, he's like fucking ecstatic!" Like he pulls, pops a bottle of champagne, and he's like, "He's like, he doesn't remember it, I don't think." Yeah. But he's like, "Some fucking weird shit happened." Yeah. And this is fucking awesome. And and again, his obsession keeps growing. Yeah, and he keeps saying like he like devolved, but was reconstructed. Yeah. And so he tells the boys this, and they um, say, "Okay, we're gonna let you do it again." And he does but they're, it again. Well, and, but they're concerned. And they put a camera in the tank this yeah. time. And they he does it again. This time, oh no, Emily has a dream. She like has a vision that he can do this. And mm-hmm. she's like, I believe you now. Yeah. Because she yeah. had a dream. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. believes him. So she's there with them and with so the experiment. So they all decide to experiment. And but she's very nervous. She has a lot of anxiety because she's concerned because she knows something's going to happen. She knows something. Yep. She, she knows he's how obsessed he is. She knows something's going to go wrong. And he's yeah. in the tank for like a couple hours. And she's like, it's been two hours. Maybe we just get him out. And like right then, he starts fucking He's wigging out. Yeah. yeah. The regression is more profound. And we see it. And his body starts bubbling and his head starts yeah. transforming. And then it's almost like he goes, uh, Mason goes over there and he opens up the lid and he gets blown back by the yeah. energy that's yeah. coming yeah. out of this fucking tank. He tries to save him, but yeah, he can't do anything. And uh, he's like almost like primordial ooze yeah primordial like just matter a, just a goo like, yeah yeah like he's de-evolved so much and he kind of glows he's yeah de-evolved so much that he's like nothing anymore yeah and uh but emily saves him she like grabs yeah. him yeah and she saves him well it's a crazy scene because the the tank is destroyed well, there's like a whirlpool there's and, like a whirlpool yeah. um I, I guess well and then uh emily kind of trips balls yeah because when he touches her right is that so, when she kind of trips too so arthur and mason are like they're they're incapacitated like they get knocked out by just the effect of the whole experiment because everything goes crazy and then she she ultimately saves him yeah and then they're all talking about it. everything's fine yeah she saves him 
And then they're all talking about it. And Arthur's like flipping out. He's mm-hmm. like, we got to fucking do st- tests. We got to get students in here. We got to do this. And this is when yeah. him and Mason have that cool like bathroom conversation right. where they're like, <laughs> throws a punch at him almost. <laughs> this, <laughs> like, this for me was the highlight of the film. And and they're like, fuck this. And then Arthur or uh, Eddie's um, like just sleeping. He just needs his rest because he's like worn out over this. Yeah. Arthur and Mason leave. Yeah. And Emily's at home. Emily's alone. freaking out, you mm-hmm. know, because she's like, I, I love him no matter how many other men I meet. Like, I still think about him. And, yeah. you know, and so Eddie and they're, and, they're and, sleeping. Yeah. And Mason's like, you're going into shock. I need to help you. And she's, you yeah. know, she's going crazy. And then Arthur is just like fascinated by what he experienced. And it's a crazy scene. And then, um, they're sleeping, and then uh, Jessup wakes up. Eddie wakes up, and his uh, arm is starting to like mm-hmm. contort. It's like, oh, it's yeah. happening! And uh, he's like down the hallway, and he starts transforming. And Emily sees him, and she's like, "Eddie, you gotta fight it! You gotta fight it!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she grabs his arm, and as soon as she grabs his arm, she transforms. Yeah, yeah. She transforms into like a lava, yeah. lava woman. Lava <laughs> yeah, woman. Yeah. <laughs> She like backs up and she's like, and he's transforming into like no arm, like pile of goo. And then he's like, yeah, there's this, there's this choice that he has to make. He can either let it consume him or he can save her. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing her causes him to fight it. Yeah. And he starts, it starts like, it's like a fucking take on me video where he's like, he's like one thing and he keeps smashing Uh into the wall to turn human. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so Talking it basically away. <laughs> oh, something, dun, 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 dun. oh yeah. So her her Talking change her her change stirred his human consciousness. On the cover of because at at this point it was no longer the uh the substance that he got from Mexico was no longer needed. It was basically in him. It in was him. part yeah. of him. It was part of him. And yeah. so he fought it. He hit himself, like I said, like an aha video, and he hits himself <laughs> against the wall, and he ultimately changes. Yeah, he starts pounding the wall. Yeah, like, yeah. He's trying, I guess just trying to snap out of it. You and know? he changes, and then he goes, <laughs> and he touches her, and then they disappear, and then they reappear. Yeah. yeah. They're themselves, and they're butt-ass and naked. And you see her butt. Yep. You see her butt yeah. crack, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they him. embrace, and he says yeah. he loves her. Yeah. And this is like... Ultimately, okay, so that's the end of the movie. But ultimately, what this is is it's a redemption story of himself because he is such a. Um, I'll just give you my thoughts. Obsessive, <laughs> obsessive. I'll just give you my thoughts. Um, yeah, he's he's an arrogant asshole throughout the entire movie, who has this woman who loves him mm-hmm. and gives him everything that he could ever want, and he takes it for granted Mm -hmm. and then he redeems himself by at the end sacrificing his obsession to save her life i don't think that he knew that he ever even wanted like a family life no so obsessed with his with his profession and what he was obsessed with his profession and he's also consumed by himself right by yeah yeah. his own he wanted to achieve like the ultimate experience yeah um so here, here's some thoughts that I had mm-hmm. on this movie. Um, by the way, we didn't also talk about the music by John Corleone. Yeah, uh, the here. music was fantastic. Uh, he is here. A allow me. Okay, so you're gonna <laughs> pronounce it. It's Italian. Yeah. So oh. Corigliano. Corigliano. 
Gorlami. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Corigliano. Um, <laughs> no, John Corigliano. Um, the music was great. Yeah. Uh, the score to this film yeah. was uh, one of the highlights. I'm glad you picked that up. Me. Yeah, the score was really, really good. Yeah. Um, at, it, at the right moments, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I have some notes about this. So um, this movie, it attempts to mix science fact with science fiction. We talked a little bit about that with the sleep deprivation. We talked a lot about this, but the sleep (laughs) deprivation and the drugs. Um, And, you know, from reading about this movie, it was originally conceived um, as a modern or updated version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And I kind of wish that they would have been more in that vein. Um, How so? I'm well, I think it would have been cool to see Jessup um, get to the de-evolving quicker mm. in the movie and have him go on various or possible murderous ah. oh, um, yeah, adventures. Yeah. I see. Uh, I that see. way, uh, and, and, and the whole time that's going on, I would have liked to yeah. see the, the showing of his family life breaking down and his professional life and his sanity as well, mm-hmm. just yeah. breaking down to the point where he is just getting consumed. I think yeah. he was consumed too early and i think the de-evolving happened too late yeah yeah mm. i would agree it took a little while for that to um, start happening mm. so uh let's see what did i write uh family life uh, da, 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 uh as he continually chases uh the possibility of achieving omniscience and that's what he wants he wants to know everything mm-hmm. um and and i think well at least that's what i got he wants to know everything he wants to know about creation he wants to know about god um he he He's chasing God because the idea of God is far from what he believes to be true. So he's trying to prove it's true, yeah, but disprove it at the same time. Um, I would have liked to see that. Unfortunately, they didn't do that. Um, we were introduced to the character of Jessup, who was a character that I felt no sympathy for whatsoever. Um, he was arrogant, selfish. He was pretty much a bore. Um, I didn't really like him mm-hmm. as a person. I thought the acting was great. William Hurt did a great job portraying the. He's character. a great actor. Yeah, uh, he is, uh, especially he, for his first movie. Like, yeah, that's what. Very yeah. good. Um, but and and why this woman fell, fell in love with him? Even when he when she first meets him, she's like, I think she was fascinated by him. She yeah, likes, yeah, and we she, talked about that. Maybe that's she why. Likes bad boys and nerds. <laughs> and he was both. <laughs> <laughs> she could have got Curtis Armstrong from uh, Revenge of the Nerds. You know? She could have got Booger. Seth Brundle. She, she basically just found him interesting. <laughs> but at least and he was an interesting character. So you bring that up, yeah. Seth Brundle. He was charming. He was charming. And Seth Brundle was, was arrogant, was consumed mm. with his profession, but he was also, he had the ability to turn it on. Yeah. And he could be loving mm-hmm. and he could be gentle and he, he wooed Gina Davis. Yeah. Um, he made us care for him. So when, when shit started going south for him, although he was a kind of a selfish prick, when shit started going south for him, you felt bad for him. Mm-hmm. This character, and he still cared enough that he wanted to protect her. Yeah. And he knew it was dangerous. Yeah. This character, I didn't feel that same sympathy for, but I think it had they, if they, if you change the story, slightly mm-hmm. um, by adding in what I had said, uh, you would make it a better, better character and more sympathetic character. Yeah. Um, and, and also why does he even have friends? Why is Arthur even friends with him? Like, <laughs> yeah. like Mason, uh, it's the profession. It's, you know, it is, but yeah. Arthur's more than just a professional colleague. Like right. Mason represents that. Arthur's yeah. like 
his best friend. Yeah. And Arthur's willing. Arthur cares for him. Yeah, yeah. When when Arthur's wife tells him that the the two yeah, the are separating, he's like, he's like, oh my god, yeah, and yeah, he yeah, wants yeah. to be there for him and everything. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, William Hurt's like, eh, let's go have a beer. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. he's yeah. just laughing Whatever. about it. So yeah. he's he's kind of a dick. Um, so we're treated to a lazy script and lazy direction, mm-hmm. and I think that goes to the fact that the director and the writer hated each other. <laughs> and <laughs> I read get, a little bit about that too. Yeah, they hated each other's guts. Yeah, so getting back to the the writer, uh, Patty Chayefsky, mm-hmm. Patty Chayefsky and Ken Russell did not see eye to eye, and that's why Patty Chayefsky took his name off of the uh, screenplay. Um, he There's conflicting stories. It's either Ken Russell was a dick to Chayefsky or it's Chayefsky was too involved in the filming and yeah. almost wanted to become the director. Yeah, um, We'll never truly know. We won't, but they weren't getting along, and I think that's why we got a lazy kind of movie. Basically, it... There's a lack of cohesion. So the good in the movie, William Hurt, Bob Balaban, and Charles Hayde. The music was at times both beautiful and ominous. And I think the bad is pretty much everything else. So (laughs) I'm going to give it two Two. out of five. Okay, cool. All right, Dave, what do you think? (laughs) Uh, I liked this movie. Um, Had you seen it before? I had not. And Brett, you haven't seen it either, right? Nope. Okay, I haven't either. Okay. And both of these movies, and we're going to get, you know, obviously the next movie... um, but I was thinking back as I watched both of these movies mm-hmm. to Mandy and how, like, I think I said in that episode, like, I got to be in a certain kind of mood to watch, watch certain types of movies. And, uh-huh. I was, and I was in the mood for this. So okay. it, it scratched the itch. Um, yeah. I thought the visuals were really cool. Like, the transformations were neat. Um, I thought it had kind of a Cronenberg thing going on with, like, the, the body horror. I did think trans- Cronenberg a little bit. Yeah. Um, probably only because of the parallels to The Fly. Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of similarities there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the acting was good. The performances were good. I thought it was a little and, slow. And this was before The Fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Way 1980. Yeah. yeah, good performances. I thought the, the orchestral score was fantastic. But you did say you thought the movie was slow. It was a little okay. slow, yeah. Um, but you know, I think you said earlier that you thought like when you had the visions, you didn't like the quick editing. I thought it was kind of cool. Oh, it's not that I didn't like them. I just thought it was kind of cheesy. Yeah. Oh, it was, but it was also of the times. Like, and I, thought, I guess to that point, he's also tripping. So yeah, who knows? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, uh, I thought once like the transformation starts, the, like that stuff, I thought the second half was pretty balls to the wall. Awesome. Like I, I liked a lot of the, the mayhem. And of, that's why I was saying like, yeah. I wish they would have got to that earlier. Yeah. And the music reminded me a little bit of um, Jerry Goldsmith, a uh, little Danny Elfman. I could see, um, you know, Elfman, maybe some influence. Yeah. I don't know. I think John Corigliano did a fantastic oh, job. I thought yeah. The, yeah. The score thought, was really, really good. I thought the really score good. was phenomenal. It was yeah. very... It, it was, fit. It fit every scene. It was yeah. very, like, unmovie score like almost. Like it was. It did fit the movie, but it was. It's more got a lot like, of. It's got a lot of weird shit in it. But it's mm-hmm. like an orchestra. It's like yeah. going to see a concert. Yeah. If you just listen to the score, like it was yeah. very. Like I said, it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. And it was just. It 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 put mood to scenes. Sure. That I think without that would have it, it, he accomplished it, what he needed to. Do. Yes, yeah, it definitely enhanced what was yes. happening on screen. Um, but overall, I actually really enjoyed this movie. I gave it three and a half. Three and oh, a wow. half. Okay, I, I watched it uh, earlier this week on a weeknight, and uh, I stayed up late, and I was watching it, and I was just fascinated by it. Um, it, it kept my attention. Um, I was tired, but I didn't fall asleep. I was just 
fixated on this movie. Um, the acting was superb. William Hurt, this is his first role, and he was phenomenal. Um, and just his obsession alone was was something that really kept me glued to this story. I really wanted to see where it went. Um, I thought the direction was fantastic. I noticed things such as um, Ken Russell used doorway shots. So when Emily meets Jessup for the first time, he's standing in a doorway and it's like a silhouette. Oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it, it was just a great shot. And then they do it again later. And then yep. later in the movie, though, when he's, you know, when he's obviously in an altered state, it shows his silhouette in the doorway and it's kind of like, it's very dark. It's yeah. kind of. He's changed. So, so I love. Yeah, I love the way they. I love the, the way juxtaposition. That, right, I love the way Ken Russell did kind of the, uh, like uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, kind of a yeah. Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. I think this movie took a lot from movies like Frankenstein, uh, Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey, even a little bit of Alien, uh, the original Nutty Professor. Um, this was a great, a great example that took from other examples but made it its own again the direction was fantastic my favorite scene and, and we talked about this earlier where um jessup and uh excuse me mason, mason and oh, arthur mason. mason and arthur are arguing yes that scene okay so it starts with emily it's one like it's he, one complete shot going yeah. through the apartment windows and ending up in the bathroom and ending up in the bathroom. I thought that was fucking fantastic. That was that was one of my more that was that great. scene was really really cool. So I thought the direction was fantastic. Well, that that goes to me. That goes to the actors. That goes to the actors as well. But it, it's uh, you're saying like the way it was storyboarded, just the way it was packaged. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I thought that was fantastic. And the way the movie flowed, I, I, I think you guys said it went too long or it, 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 was, it was drawn slow. out. I it was slow. It, the first half's a little slow. I thought it was a great build because it really established William Hurt's character. It, it laid the foundation. It was like, okay, this guy is obsessed and now he's going to go to Mexico and now he's going to take this drug and now he's going to do this and now he's going to do that. And I thought it was just a really great build and with each scene, I was just fixated on it. It's like, wow, where is this going to go next? But you, the build, do you think the payoff was worth the build? Um, I think ultimately, yeah, the payoff was worth it. Now, I will say this. The the ending with Emily where she, where she transforms, and this is where I give it a, a negative. Like, I, I Too happy? I, I didn't really understand, like... You know, why she became lava girl why she became yeah so <laughs> and he I wasn't mean, shark boy i mean I was, I was i was really trying to suspense my you know, i was really trying to suspend my disbelief but aside from the ending i wasn't really crazy about the ending but the rest of the movie i thought was great i'm really glad i watched this um i wish i had watched it a long time ago um i really enjoyed this movie i thought it was a slow burn but it was a good burn um i give it a four Okay. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. The acting so it's was superb. A, it's a 3.17. Yeah. yeah. The acting was great. The music was great, as we already talked about. Um, and and I thought it was. I thought the pacing was good. I, I was committed to this film from mm. the start, and I wanted to see where it went. And I was satisfied. I just wasn't crazy about the ending. But, yeah. you know, it was great. Yeah. I, I really liked it. Cool. Well, I think this movie ultimately led to the next film we're going to talk about. Not directly but i think um 
Beyond the Black Rainbow was influenced by this film. Yeah, they're in the as same well vein. as other films in that same kind of genre. So Beyond the Black Rainbow, uh, let me just flip to my notes here. I got paper notes, so forgive my... Me too. We're old school. <laughs> um, uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow from 2010, written and directed by Panos Cosmatos. Panos Cosmatos. Uh, cinematography by Norm Lee. Or this, Lai. this was his fir- first film. Yeah. Yes. Uh, music by Sinoa Caves. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I think so. I think it's Sinoa Caves because okay. um, it, it's yeah. actually a guy named Jeremy Schmidt. Yes. It, I, I have that written yeah. down here. It's He's a part pseudo, of a prog pseudonym. group called uh, Black Mountain. Yeah, Black Mountain. Okay. Black Mountain's great. So um, I'm going to go through the entire cast because there's only like six people. Um, Michael Rogers <laughs> plays Barry Nile. Eva Allen plays Elena. Scott Highlands plays Mercutio Ar- Arboria. Arboria. Um, Marilyn Nori is Rosemary Nile. Rondell Reynoldson as Margot the nurse. Uh, Sarah Stockson as Anna Arboria. And then Roy Campbell or Campsell. I, I wrote cancel, so maybe that's what it is. As the Sentinot. Um, this is Panos Kazmatos. It's his first film. He's the son of George Kazmatos, who directed Rambo, Tombstone, right? Rambo First Blood Part Two, Cobra, right. Leviathan, and Tombstone, yeah. amongst others. You said Jeremy Schmidt. Um, it's this this is Sinoa Caves is the solo. It might be Caves. I don't know. <laughs> I like saying Caves. Um, <laughs> Sinoa Caves. <laughs> it's the solo alter ego of the keyboardist Jeremy Schmidt uh, from a band called uh, Black, Black, Ma- Mountain, Black Mountain. Also Pipe Dream and another band called The Battles. Uh, Norm Lee or Lai uh, also was the cinematographer for In Their Skin. Did you ever see that movie? Mm-mm. It's uh-huh. a horror thriller from 2012. It's a home invasion type horror thriller. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about this movie. Um, what happens in this movie? Okay, so it's going to be really hard to describe this movie, yeah. I think, um, through an audio form. Yes. Yeah. This movie's very visual. Yeah. It's a very probably, visual film, so we I'm going really, go through it a little bit. Yeah, we don't really need to go too deep in it. This is a film, I'm just going to say it to our listeners, you really need to see it. Yeah, so without getting into our reviews or anything, mm-hmm. basically uh, Barry Nile is the main character, and he pretty much has about ninety percent of all the dialogue in yeah. this movie. Um, we it opens up with um, Doctor Doctor Arboria. Doctor Arboria. It's like on kind of like a VHS. VHS, but like a actually VHS that probably, was a film, probably earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that part's a flashback. It's like right? a it's, it's like a nineteen sixties advertisement yeah. for the Aboria Institute, yeah. which is again like I was talking about earlier. It's this Timothy Leary yeah. type cult, yes. a new, better, um, happier new you. Yeah, it's basically a, a reconciliation of science and spirituality. Yeah, they want you, you to find yourself mm-hmm. and your and be happier. Yeah. Yep. So the movie itself, that was probably from the 60s, but the movie itself takes place in the early 80s. 83. 83. 83. Yes, 83. You're right. 83. Um, and it's a, a story that is about the predecessor, or no. The protege. The protege. The protege. The successor. The successor. The protege is Dr. Barry Nile. Yes. And his continuing studies. Now, this guy, Barry Nile, has a girl. We don't know much about her, but she's locked up. And her name is Elena. Elena. Yeah. Yeah. And she's locked up in a room. She doesn't really talk. She's kind of despondent. Yeah. yeah. Very quiet. He talks to her, asks her questions. And it has a little bit of a mysterious tone. This movie isn't very... Um, and he's not in the room with her. Like he's behind glass, and yeah, 
The movie's not forthcoming with a box. It's not forthcoming with, with a lot it, with of much information. Of yeah. So as we watch it, we learn what's going on. We learn more and we kind of just insinuate a lot of stuff as yeah. the viewer. Um, and that's not always a bad thing. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, he doesn't flat out say, this girl is a psychic and this guy is studying her to try to see what makes yeah. her tick so mm-hmm. he can gain her powers. Yeah. It doesn't say that. Yeah. yeah. That one could infer that. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what your guys' opinion of of it was as you were watching it. From the start, I got the idea that he was in control. Yeah. And I also got the idea that this guy isn't exactly a good guy. <laughs> well, he's insane. He's yeah, I mean it <laughs> but he's saying right from oh, the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right from the beginning. Like I, you know, it was. Yeah, like, I was suspicious okay, of him. I don't really sure. exactly. Yeah. I don't really trust I don't this like, guy. I don't know if I like this guy. Yeah, but he was. He had a kind of a charm to him. But um, it's a very fake uh, affect that he puts. It was on. yes. It was a. It was kind of a facade. Yes, yeah. and so we see him interviewing her. We see and we're introduced to a nurse who you can tell she's a bitch right away. She makes nurse nurse ratchet look like fucking mother <laughs> Teresa. Yeah. Uh, but uh, then he goes home and uh, I didn't even realize that it was his wife. Like right away. Like I uh, thought it was just somebody who helped him. Like, I guess, or, yeah. or like his mom. She looked a yeah. little older. Kick-ass roommate. Yeah, just yeah. a kick-ass uh, stoned roommate. I think yeah. it was his wife. It was, it was, it was his wife. His, it was his wife. Yeah, it it was, was, but I didn't get that sense right at away. First, at first, yeah. Um, she was just like laying on the couch sleeping, and he's like... Uh, at first, I thought it was like a caretaker, like a maid or something. Yeah, and he's like, uh, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I was just meditating. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she was sleeping. Yeah. He's like, bullshit. She's like stoned, and she's like, oh, there's some steamed vegetables and brown rice in the... And he's like, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you can tell that he hates his personal life. Yeah. yeah. And he almost gives the sense that he's not really into what the original Arborea institute was no. about. he's very into himself he's very vain right. he's very and we see that he's vain because later on he takes off his appliances yeah he's got a wig and, and contact contacts lenses. that that fucking but we see why that well happens. that's later that's yeah, later that's later so we get introduced to the character well there's not really much more that that i could i i really want to talk about because i want to get to our reviews i mean plot wise from here to when the next kind of major thing happens there's not really a lot that well we there's we, a we can talk about yeah there is some plot points that happen later on and so we we'll flash forward um we are he does go meet dr arborea who's mm-hmm. still alive he's very old barely well, we want to establish that elena has has psychic abilities she has and, psychic and abilities she tells him like telepathically i want to see my father and he's like no yeah and like and then they kind of do a thing where like she, he gives her a picture of her mother and yeah. then he, he almost kind of taunts her a little bit and then he tells the nurse like she's basically got contraband in her room right hold on yeah. hold on yeah these are important these are important they parts. are important but these- i want to i want to get to that in just a second because he meets with dr arborea mm-hmm. first and he goes and meets with him and we flash back to um years ago probably 16 maybe 18 years ago in the late 60s and he's a younger version of himself it was 1966 and he's talking to arborea Mm -hmm. and um arborea's wife and they put him in like this vat of goo and they basically tell him like i'm gonna send you on an adventure it's almost like this trip yeah right that we talked about Mm -hmm. with william hurt's character and he goes into this vat of goo and he comes out and this is all done in black and white 
yeah. very um, uh, overexposed, yeah. mm-hmm. um, almost film. Yep. Yeah. And so we're not seeing details, but we see he goes into this vat of goo. He comes out. He like barfs like tar. <laughs> it's yeah. Gross. And then he kills Anna Arborea. Yeah. To That's which his doc- wife. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Arborea is just like, well, she's dead. And then he has his baby who is the um elena elena, elena. Is and he the puts girl. the baby in the goo and he puts yeah. the baby in the goo and then so now we know the backstory behind what happened to yeah. elena's mom yep and her and who her father who is. who her father is and who she is and yeah. maybe why she has the quote-unquote powers that she has because there is a supernatural um element to this film as well mm-hmm. and he maybe why he's consumed with the fact that she has powers, but he might not have as many powers right. as she does because mm-hmm. he went into the goo as right. well. Yeah. And so maybe that's why. Um, also, one thing I want to note before I get to what happens with the nurse um, is that periodically we see this prism yep. with like this cloud swirling around it, which right. I guess is at the center of the Arborea Institute. Yeah. We're not really sure. It's a very big science fiction element to this story. It's it's a device that controls, control, ultimately controls Elena. Controls Elena, yeah. yeah. It controls her ability of of psychic kinesis. Yeah, and, and it kind of telepathy disables her. Sort of thing. Yeah. Now, there's a scene where uh, the nurse yes. stumbles upon a document. It's a It's a notebook. And it's a very chilling scene because she finds this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes mm-hmm. through it, and then there's images and like nude drawings there's, of her. There's and like nude, yeah. Of there's Elena. And yeah, there's nude drawings and, and images. There's and it's um, Nile. It's his notes. Yeah, there's there's like alien images, and I don't mean like alien, like space. It's the sentinels. But there's yeah. just like there's oh those, there's okay. there's various horrific images. Of female genitalia and and um, yeah. third third eye and all kinds of um, just weird, diagrams weird and, like disturbing shit and she's kind of freaked out by it. She puts the notebook back, yeah. but not before the ash of her cigarette falls into right. the drawer before it shuts. So Doctor Nile discovers he gets a phone call. Yeah, and the phone call. It's kind of interesting because it's yeah. almost like garbledy good coming through, but right. it's basically an alarm telling him that something this is what i interpreted it something's as. going on uh, get your ass down there yeah and so he goes and checks out where the notebook was and he sees the ash to the cigarette he knows the he nurse knows who it was she saw my drawings so he said he sets up the nurse right those weren't ready yet those were just rough <laughs> sketches uh, uh, um, he sets up the nurse to get killed by elena yep because he's like fuck this nurse yep i'm gonna get rid of you so he tells the nurse well i don't I almost don't think no, that... No, he set her up. He set her up. Yeah. He's the one that gave her the photo, and he's like, hey, I think she's got a photo in there. You should take that away. Yeah. Yeah, he, he set her up, but it, the way they played out the scene... She was a bitch anyway. Who cares? It was... Good it was, riddance. It was so fascinating because he almost didn't know what she was going to do. Well, it almost served as double duty. I think, for yeah, him. it was kind of an experiment. Like, yeah, it was an experiment because, because he goes. really, he, he was setting her up, but he really didn't know what Elena was capable of. Yeah, he finds and, out. And, and we, it, the movie already established how fascinated he is by her. Yeah, he liked mm-hmm. he. And, and he liked what he saw. Mm-hmm. So he sends her in. Basically, the nurse goes in. She grabs the picture of uh, Elena's mom, and she's like, "Fuck your picture!" And she, and she like, crumbles, crumbles it right up. in her face. And then Elena goes uh, crazy uh, with anger, and she uses her 
uh, psychic abilities to crush the crush nurse's head, head right like a fucking grape yeah pretty awesome um it was pretty awesome now yeah. uh, uh, well hmm. it was awesome so <laughs> so dr um nile then is like like i said it was almost served twofold like he wanted to fucking kill that nurse and so he would have done it uh, maybe a different way had it not worked out um because he didn't want her to see that he what he had been working mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. but the other thing that it helped with was realized to the extent of what powers elena has yeah. i think um he ends up shutting everything down so her powers can kind of develop mm-hmm. and so she can get out yeah and she ends up escaping out of her room and crawling through various different corridors and pathways um, i think before that though there's a scene where where they inject her neck with a tracking device yeah there's a yeah, scene yeah, where yeah. that happens yeah. because i think she she there is because he uses it later yeah now yeah. i say send to knots i've said it a few times here these creatures if you will call them that are dressed in like picture a, deadpool wearing a daft punk helmet. daft punk helmet yeah and about seven feet tall yeah but it was really cool they oh, were, it was awesome the, i love these characters because they were so mysterious it was very uh they, stanley kubrick they weren't a big part of the movie but the fact that they were such a min- a minor part of the movie, it made them so mysterious that it was fascinating by me. Yeah. And so she she's escaping and she runs into one of these and he just looks at her, he or she just looks at her and removes their helmet. <laughs> I think it was part of her power that did that. And yes, you're probably correct. And um, re- they remove their helmet and it's a baby. It's a baby face. <laughs> baby <Yeah>. face. <laughs> little baby in there it's fucking (laughs) fucking baby face yeah and then we also learn at some point in the movie dr Dr. abori is still alive yeah oh well he kills him yeah he he kills him but he euthanizes him because he he wants to die yeah he wants to die it's it's arranged that kind of goes back to that so uh elena escapes she goes out running dr uh nile kills his uh wife yeah yep after he takes off all of his appliances. Yeah, he takes off his wig. He takes out his contact lenses. And, and puts you a just, leather jacket on. Yeah. <laughs> or motorcycle jacket or something. You just yeah, you yeah. see the progression of this character. And it's just like, it's... Now, I got the impression it, that... It blew he, my mind. Yeah. I got the impression that he um, was the way he was after he takes off his wig and everything because of the vat of uh, yeah. tar that he went into uh, I think so 18 too. years prior. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, he's been putting on this facade, and now he's taking it off. And it's almost like, um, I don't know what movie does this, but there's, it's almost like in uh, Predator, where the Predator just takes off his armor. Oh, and yeah. he's like, all right. Yep, this is me. Let's fucking go. Mm-hmm. You know? And so he uh, lets Elena escape, and then he goes back to, his, yeah. he takes off his fucking armor, and he's like, yeah. now we're going to do yep. it. And do it. Yeah. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> but he's, he, I didn't get the impression that he was sexually obsessed with her. Maybe he was with her mother and that's what she I think, represents. I think he was obsessed with her ability. Yes. Her obsessed um, with her, but not in a sexual ex- way. Obsessed obsessed with her just in general. But to go back to the scene with the wife and he kind of just he doesn't transforms he, a little bit. Doesn't he crush her head too? He cru- yeah, he crushes her head. But well, he like yeah. yeah, yeah. Like thumbs but, in the like, eyes. But yeah, yeah. he says something like, he says something to her like, you know, you're less than nothing or something. Because she, you know, he is so beyond what she is. Like he has no problem whatsoever yeah. killing her off. Yeah. Because he's so far advanced 
from what he went through back in 1966. Yeah. Like, he's just fucking gone. Yeah. And people, yeah, they don't understand him. And she, and Elaine is the only one that could ever possibly even understand him. And that's kind mm-hmm. of where his obsession lies. I, I think he said something like, you're just a speck of dust in the wind. Like, yeah. you're nothing. Yeah. Like, dust in the wind. Oh, what have I done? <laughs> you guys can't even see just a drop of water. Name the group. Arkansas. Kansas. <laughs> Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> I said that on purpose. Just I don't know if there's a group called the Arkansas. There isn't. No. Their name is Kansas. Kansas. I called them Arkansas. No, I like it. <laughs> mm. um, well done. Thank you. Um, so... So she is. So uh, is in the woods. She comes across a couple of dudes. Before that, no, before that, she's going through. She's going through the institute, and there's like this this zombie creature, like this defect. And remember the zombie oh, guy? Yeah, yeah. The, oh, okay. And and ultimately, she escapes him. Yeah, she gets out of the. She gets yeah. out, and uh, there's some really cool scenes in her escape. Niall mm-hmm. goes chasing after her, and he goes through the woods, and he's the one who comes across. He comes the across these two dudes drinking. that, yeah, and he thinks that they like, some heshers. They either kidnapped heshers. That's other. Yeah, that's other. Uh, they, either, they, they either have her, or they raped her. You guys, you guys remember the? You guys know the song that they were listening to? I don't remember. It's Angel Dust by Venom. I didn't even have to look it up because I know that song. <laughs> it should have been Dust in the Wind by Kansas. Dude, those, those guys remind me of, of high school, man. We used to listen to Merciful Fate, Venom. Fuck, dude. And, and I, I really connected with that scene. I was like, fuck, I haven't heard this song in a long time. It's a great song. Well, good thing you weren't there with those guys. Yeah, yeah no would shit. I would have got killed. <laughs> so, and when he kills him, there's a lot of blood. Considering in 83, I wasn't even born yet. There's a lot of blood spraying. Um, so both of those guys got killed. Yeah, and then he's very obsessed, and he he thinks like you fucked her, you, you fucked, fucked her, her you mm-hmm. raped her, whatever. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, and, and, and they don't know her. They, they don't, didn't. They hadn't even seen her. They hadn't even seen her. They were just in a bad place at the bad time. Yep. Niall goes running through the woods. He finally comes across Delena, who uses her uh, abilities to tie up his feet in some roots or whatever. Yeah, he can't move. And he goes to move. He's like, get over here, get over here. And he goes to move, and he falls, and he hits his yeah. head on a rock and kills himself. I thought there were some beautiful scenes during her escape. Um, I mean, I could say them in my review, but I'll say them real quick. The When she escaped, how old was she? Maybe 16, 17? She was late. She was 18. She was 18. Or 17. The, the 64 fact, to 83, I guess. The scene, like the scene where she's stepping in the mud for the very first time. She, she'd been in this institute for oh, all yeah, her yeah. life. And she had a look on her face like she'd never experienced. I never before. felt mud before. It, By the it way, was, my math was way off. She would have been nineteen. <laughs> it, was, it was a very beautiful scene. I thought that was a great. Yeah. Scene. Uh, yes, you're right. When she finally is outside, she yeah. is like they oh, really highlighted shit, that. This is what. Yeah. This is this is what life is, is. like. Yeah. All right. And 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 we didn't touch up on this, but when she was in the institute, she was in just a room with nothing. But yeah. there were like TV screens, very small TV screens, and it would show her like really weird, fucked up. It would shit. show her like. There was a cartoon. I can't remember exactly like a, specifically. There's a bunch, bunch of weird random were, stuff. But the theme of everything that they showed her was just violence. Yeah. So we could we could probably go on mm. with minutia. There's so much in this movie. <laughs> Let's kind of wrap this up with saying that that's pretty much the end. She the last scene. The second she the last walks scene, into 80s suburbia. Yeah, the well, and she th- sees a TV screen. Right, yeah. yeah, and that's kind of what yeah, guys glowing through the window. I fam- think. Well, it's something familiar. Yeah, and so she's just standing there, and then it cuts off. Yeah, so that's how the film ends, and that's the movie Beyond the Black Rainbow. So, 
So who wants to go first? Dave, go first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mentioned earlier, like I was in the mood for uh, altered states. I was in the mood for this. And um, when it started, this is pretty rare for me. Um, the music in the opening titles, there's like an eyeball and the iris just keeps getting yes, bigger. And it's yes. like super, and the music was very hypnotic. It sounds like it's a Mellotron yes. or, or something. Uh, very cool, like synthesizer stuff. Um, I paused the movie and bought the vinyl. Uh, right. <laughs> oh, there. absolutely. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So Sonoya Caves. Yeah. The um, I thought the Caves. Caves. <laughs> Either know. way, get get Jeremy Schmidt on the phone right immediately. We'll if find it's out. not Sonoya Caves, it is now. It is now. Just look up Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah, the soundtrack's soundtrack. very good. Um, you can stream it online if you're you know on Spotify or just Apple Music or whatever, it. or just buy it. Just buy it. Uh, the score was really cool, and it's kind of brisk too. I think it's only like seven tracks but it's good mm-hmm. the visuals is very um kubrick-esque there are parts that remind me of a clockwork orange mm-hmm. there are parts that remind me of 2001 the the story is very strange the characters are uh there isn't really anybody likable in it um the first half i was glued to the screen i was like this is trippy and cool and and weird and uh, kind of hypnotic all at once um when she escapes um, there's a lot of cool visuals, and there are, um, but there are a lot of them. It, like I felt like that went on. It was a little long in the tooth. Um, the doctor, I, I didn't really like his character, um, but yeah. So I said the good, awesome score, great visuals, artistic, lots of good mood and vibe. Um, the bad, it was slow, and I thought it was a little pretentious for a for a movie where the plot is very simple. I thought it was a little bit up its own ass, a little bit. <laughs> mm. I was torn between three and three and a half. I gave Mandy, I think, two and a half or three, and I liked this movie quite a bit more than Mandy. Did you? Yeah, so I'll go three and a half. Okay. okay. All right, Brett, what say you? So you want me to go? Yeah, go. All right. I'm going to... I'm going to... I wrote... Um, and you had never seen this before either, right? No, I'd never seen this. Obviously, I'd seen Mandy because um, we talked about it on the same, podcast. Same director. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to kind of basically read what I wrote mm-hmm. just so I get all my thoughts out. Um I thought this was a beautiful film. Mm. I also immediately knew that the same person who directed Mandy directed this. Oh, yeah. Um, the style, the visuals, the almost psychedelic atmosphere all reminded me of Mandy. Um, in fact, it has very similar notes to Mandy with the cult-like leader and the almost supernatural elements. Um, obviously, Mandy is a different story. It's more of a re- it is a revenge movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's little dialogue, which is fine by me. Um, Michael Rogers, who plays Barry Nile, carries the film as far as the acting is concerned. And I think he did a fantastic job um, as the psychotic Barry Nile. I love the visuals. It's almost like watching art. The way each scene was crafted is like uh, a painter and how a painter mm-hmm. crafts a painting. Mm. Um, the music was also great. The score um, was was phenomenal. Um, it it's visually great. The acting is great. The music is great. My one kind of gripe, if you can call it a gripe was that I kind of, when the movie was over, I felt unfulfilled. Mm. I felt like it needed more. Yeah. I thought that final confrontation was a little weak. Like I'm just going to smack your head against a rock. Well, I, it wasn't even that. I, I, I kind of agree with that. I kind of liked it though. I was like, boom. And then he's done. Yeah. And it's like, he's just human. Like, it, it wasn't overblown. No. Um, it didn't I, need to be. I felt like I needed more as a viewer um, where I got less, and I needed less where I got more. And I'm not going to tell this director 
I'm not even going to attempt to say this is what it needed. <laughs> um, I can't do that to this film. But to me, it was there was something. It's like it's like you go to a fine restaurant, right? Like this this restaurant that gets all these accolades, and you eat, and you're like, "Wow, this food is so delicious!" And then you leave the restaurant, and you're like, "I'm," but I'm still hungry. Mm, and that's yeah. almost what I felt. Um, I'm gonna give this movie four out of five heads, mm. um, and that is high for me. Um, and had I been a little bit more satiated, I probably would have gone higher. Um, I just felt like, and I, again, I'm, I'm not the artist, um, that this director is, but I felt like there just needed to be just yeah. that one, there just needed to be something. And if I would have gotten that something, it might've even gotten a five, but definitely would have gotten a four and a half. But this movie to me was one of the most beautiful things I've seen mm. in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which I'm sure is surprising because <laughs> I usually don't like these types of movies. I gave altered states two. And I'm I'm giving this one really high. So I we had seen Mandy, and and I was familiar with this director, and I can't remember exactly um, whether uh, a good friend of mine or um, a website had introduced me to this film, but um, I think I watched the trailer. I can't remember, but it, I I had always wanted to see this film. This film came out in 2010, as we established. I wish I had seen this film much much sooner um but a little background and i'll get to my review i'll try to be quick um a little background um as we established uh cosmato's father um directed uh rambo first blood part two cobra tombstone but those 80s kind of popcorn films that he did combined with his his mother was an artist a sculptor Mm mm-hmm they they have both passed away. Uh, she passed away in ninety seven. His father passed away in two thousand five. This he established this as his tribute to both of them. This was almost his way, from what I read. This was almost his way of dealing with their death. It was oh, it was cool. it was his it was his way of grieving. He he combined his his father's quote popcorn movies and his mother's haunting. Uh, experimental art. And I think he used this is a, com- some a combination of the two, the eighties films and I, the art. I think he used some money that he got from his, from Tombstone. Yeah. I had read that. Yep. From- his father, his father's most successful film was tombstone. And, and, and rightly so. I and mean, and, really and there's movie. some debate. He directed that. About whether or not Kurt Russell, Kurt directed Russell directed, it? directed yeah. it. But you know, bottom line is he, he got some, uh, some, uh, you get know, that tombstone funds, money funds from tombstone. And obviously that was his most successful film. Um, but this was a tribute to his parents. Um, and, and when you, when you read about such a tribute, um, it, it's very heartfelt. And, uh, I had read about that after I watched the film, but before I watched the film, I went into this not knowing anything other than that he had, uh, directed Mandy, which uh, is a film I, I very much enjoy. I gave that a five. Um, I watched this film uh, on a laptop screen with headphones and um, immediately I was just entranced. I, I was just, I was committed from the very first scene and it kept me the entire film. This is one of those films that if, if you're going through something in life or if you're dealing with something, this film took me out of my mind and took me away into a world that I was so happy to be in. 
and the theme the the way the film went the the overall theme the misery of this girl and just the the insanity and just the out of world out of body experience that this film just put me in i i couldn't believe it it was just it it took me out of my mind really and this was one of the most beautifully shot films i had ever seen there was not a wasted scene there's not a wasted line of dialogue everything as far as i'm concerned was perfect um it was an absolute wonderful experience and it's it's strange to say but the main character well not the main character but the character of elena just the misery she was going through it was it was almost like it took me out of my misery and just to watch this film and dr barry nile i think i don't know about you guys but this character makes Patrick Bateman look like Captain Kangaroo. Oh, he makes he makes him look like Captain Kangaroo. I think one thing that he I, was so evil. Like I think one thing that I didn't say, and I said that that Michael Rogers did such a great job in his acting. One thing that I didn't say is like, where is Michael Rogers now? Why yeah. isn't this guy in every fucking and, and, movie? And, and, and you know what? I, I take it back. Like the the character at first wasn't evil. I take it back. It was he wasn't evil, but, but he, was. He, was. he was. No, no, he was, but it was so mysterious. It was subtle. Now, now here's the thing about this movie is that I love it when movies do this, and not a lot of movies do this. But give you an erection? Well. <laughs> there's there's very few movies that do this for me where I watch a movie and it doesn't have to throw everything at me. It doesn't have to be like, oh, this character is this, this character is that, and this is what's going on, yeah, and yeah, this keep, is this, and this is that. You got to interpret. It was so mysterious, but it was just like, wow, who is this guy? Who's this girl? Who's this nurse? What's going on? You know. And, it, and as the movie went along, I thought the pacing was fantastic. Agreed. It was like a trance. It was like watching artwork. That's... It was gorgeous. It was so beautiful. And the, the, the use of colors. And they filmed this on 35 millimeter. And by the way, Norm Lee, I think we, I, who was the cinematographer, cinematographer, I think he deserves a lot of the credit as well. I, I want to say that uh, Panos, um, obviously, it's his creation. Mm-hmm. But as a cinematographer, you're also there painting the pictures. Yeah, and there's well. a lot of color saturation. Like it's just yeah, very and, visual. Like, and and just to very, talk about very pretty movie. And just to talk about the visuals, just to go into detail, the use of reflections. Um, yeah, Cosmatos established that the modernist use of color. Um, he went to Manhunter, uh, Michael Mann's Manhunter mm-hmm. from '86, mm-hmm. The Keep from '83. Um, he was inspired by uh, John Carpenter's Dark Star from '74. Um, Daft Punk's Electroma came into play. Hmm. Argeno Suspiria from 77. The color from that is obvious. Yep. Uh, George Lucas, THX 1138. Very, very much so. I yes. was thinking that as I was oh, watching yeah. this. I'm um, like, this is yeah. Space so. Odyssey also. Clockwork Orange. Uh, he loves Stanley Kubrick. Um, but he, he didn't mean to, you know, copy. I don't think he copy did him copy, completely. Though. That wasn't his intent. No, but, no. But, but like the scene where like he was driving inspired. in a car is like almost identical to the scene of Alex driving um, the, uh, in the clockwork corner. And then, and then critics also, you know, proclaimed, uh, altered states as the movie, you know, we established or we talked about earlier, uh, that, you know, critics fi- found some conspiracy, uh, 
um, comparisons with that Solaris enter the void. Um, but back to this movie, um, every scene that scene from 66 where he goes through the process and it's just like the oversaturation, the black yeah. and white. Oh, it was just, it was fucking gorgeous. Like I, I was just, you know, transfixed, one, you know, one thing that I was thinking, and, and, and you know what? And they did with so, they did so much with so little, you know what I was thinking as I was watching that. And I love that flashback scene as well. And the black and white, and like I said, the oversaturation and the use of just really deep blacks and really mm-hmm. bright whites. Um, it's almost like we were his memory, like he was flashing back to, like that's almost like memories appear mm-hmm. in our heads, right. right? Like sometimes, like you can picture colors or you can right. picture, everything, yeah. But it's really like it's really like a long time ago, right? It's almost twenty years prior to what's happening then, mm-hmm. and it's what stuck out in his memory, and it's like we're playing it back. The way they filmed it, it it established it being a yeah. prior time, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and it was it, so smart, yeah. It just you know, Alan, we both said this, and I'm sure David's going to change his review now to say it, but... Uh, <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, we both said this. It was like art, and I think... It, it is art, yeah. Yeah, it's not like art. It is art, and I think one of I the- did say that. <laughs> I said this movie's very artistic. <laughs> Whatever. Suck my, suck my balls. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. No, go ahead. Go <laughs> no, ahead. But what I, I, yeah, go but ahead. What I was going to say was, is is like, if you go to a gallery or you you look at paintings. You got to take it in. You take it in. And, and we all three can be sitting there and go, hmm. Okay. And see something else. Yeah. What yeah. is this speaking to me? And I think the thing about this movie is, yes, there is a plot, but the plot isn't really what's quote unquote important. It's more of the feeling and the impression. And like you are going to interpret it one way. I'm going to interpret it another way, but ultimately what it leaves us with is happiness. And the happiness isn't because of, boy, this movie just, it's not a happy movie. It's not because the movie's jolly. It's happy because it exists. Yeah. No. Do you understand? Agreed. It's like, it's like, yes, you want to be in that world, but do you really want to have like a baby face alien (laughs) Daft Punk guy chasing after you? But it's cool to look at, but it's like, I loved it. Someone thought this up. That's yes, neat. And it exists. What yeah. what I love about this movie, and I'll go back to my original point, what I love about this movie is that it let the visuals tell the story. Yeah. Yes. It wasn't Yeah, the story's not even important. It wasn't story <laughs> really. driven. What it yeah. did was it let the visuals tell the story and it let the viewer come to I wouldn't even say a conclusion, but it, it let the viewer experience what this filmmaker is showing. And you know, it wasn't clean cut and dry. And, and I, that's what I love about this movie is yep. that it, there was so much more to it than just like, Oh, here's the story. Here's this character. Here's this other character. And this is what's happening. It gave you visuals. And based on the visuals alone, I was able to experience what this filmmaker was telling. I love this movie so much. This is the strongest five I've ever given a movie. Yeah, I, I love this movie. I I love this movie more than Mandy. Uh, no, I, it's I, better than Mandy. I, I was gonna say that too, and I, and I love that movie. I think I, I gave, gave I gave that movie a five too. I think I gave Mandy a four also, and I'm not gonna change my review. Um, but what I will say is this: I loved this movie more than Mandy. I did as too, well. and I will say this movie actually made me like Mandy more. Uh, Mandy more. <laughs> that was Mandy. Moore. Not a, that was an accident. Uh, uh, but, um, that's that's, no, not, that's it, not a bad. Accident. It made me appreciate. Uh, 
that movie a little bit more. Um, and I and I've seen that I've seen Mandy three times probably. I'll probably give, go back and give it another watch here soon. I would like to do it as a double feature almost. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I but I and, and I, I love the cult aspect he gave to this film too. Just yeah. because you had in the late sixties and I think that you had Mandy people does obsessed well. with like mind altering drugs. And it's a and little more heavy handed in Mandy. Yeah. And and it and it still both of those films have right. the cult. They have right. the realistic but yeah. they also have a supernatural. Mm-hmm. I was thinking yeah. back to Mandy and those those supernatural biker uh, yeah. uh, druggies, yeah. and uh, and even Nicolas Cage and his like you know forging of his weapon and everything. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, it seems kind of funny to talk about it, but in the movie, when you're it watching makes it, sense. it's yeah. And, this, yeah, and and the supernatural uh, ability of some of the characters makes sense, and you know, it's not a. It's not a traditional horror film. Does it fall in the genre? I think it goes yes. beyond that. But it's almost it's almost a genre of its own. Yeah, sure. And, and again, it's an art film. Um, you know, we can blow this guy all day long, and I'm sure he <laughs> he he would love it. We're not the only guys who who obviously like this film. But I think not a lot of people are aware specifically you know of this film. Yeah, and, and you know what? A lot of critics took a crap on this they film. They did. And, and, I and they're, they're fucking morons. I don't know why. Because, because you, you, you know, with films like this, you know, you really got to open your fucking mind. But you know what? David, David said, like, he likes these movies and, and there are times where he likes these movies because he's in the right mood for it. And maybe if he's in yeah. the mo- mood for some stupid, you know, dick and fart jokes, he'll, he'll watch this <laughs> yeah. movie. And I, and I agree with him. However, this particular film, I know you said you were in the mood. I, I guarantee you, even if you weren't in the mood, yeah, because I'm not I necessarily in those it. moods all the time. And I yeah. watched this movie and I was like, holy shit. Like, it, I didn't have to be in the mood. Altered States, if I was in a different type of mood, maybe I would have liked it more. I just didn't dig that film. This film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, 60 so seconds in, I was, I was in. It was yeah, it's so much better. It was a, it's, it's, a, it's such a trance. It's a yeah. four point one seven for us. Four point one seven. That's a solid. really it's such a trance. It's a really solid film. And and you know I I almost I almost said four and a half, but I wrote down four out of five. I'm going to stick with my four out of five. Yeah. There it, there are it, so many themes. There's a lot of things I think. There's you so much going on. With, there's yeah. There's so much going on with this film that we can't even touch up on. We're running out of time. But <laughs> we are. But themes I, of control, identity. There's so much going on in this film. I would really recommend. Everybody out there, watch this film. Um, you can get it through streaming services. Uh, it's on Tubi, I think. Yeah, it I think might even. Yeah, I would there. just I fucking. It, I think it's free, or just, just fucking buy it. Buy it. <laughs> yeah, just buy it. Seriously, it's it's honestly it's one of the best films I've ever fucking seen. It's definitely one of um, one of my favorite art artistic films. Yeah. It's just I've one of my seen. favorite films in yeah. general. Like I I. I can't believe where it took me. Yeah. Like, cause I, I needed this film and I'm glad it came along when it did. Well, if you, the listener <laughs> want to tell us what your thoughts are on, uh, beyond the black rainbow or, uh, altered states or any other fucking thing you have to tell us, you can contact That's us. Right. You don't yeah. have to go beyond the black rainbow. You just go to your fucking laptop <laughs> or, your, or your cell phone while you're taking a dump. Uh, you can find us on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter where we are the swear wolves. We're also the swear wolves on Facebook. We're the swear wolves podcast on Instagram. Uh, we've got the swear wolves YouTube channel. Uh, you can go to our website. It's the swear 
You can drop us an email at swirlspodcast at gmail.com or we're on the Slasher app. I think I covered all of them. Okay. It's becoming or a mouthful. just send it via telepathy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just think about no it. No dick pics, though. I'll try to receive perverts, it as much as possible. Even in your thoughts. <laughs> I, don't even want I didn't think, think of that. Someone dicks. sent that to me, you asshole. <laughs> so for the Swirls this week, I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. And we're going to go blow Panos Cosmatos a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs>